Well, good morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. Grace and peace to you in the name of Christ our Lord. Christ is risen. And it is a great joy to gather with you on this Lord's Day, on the first day of the week, to announce the news that Christ who died on Friday is Christ who lives and is with us and calls us to this time and place of worship. Thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning especially those who may be visiting with family or friends or are here for the Easter weekend. You bless us with your presence, and we thank you. Uh, as we gather, I hope you are attentive to the registration pads because it helps us to know that you share and worship here at First Church. You find these pads to your left or your right. Also, just be aware of some of the ministries upcoming uh, as we make our way through April. There will be a Rise Against Hunger event to which all are invited. A very special mission in which we have shared before. It's been called Stop Hunger Now, but it is now Rise Against Hunger. That will take place in our Uptown Ministry Center April the 28th. Uh, also, we are joining with the Southern Area Agency on Aging to host an event on April the 18th in the Uptown Ministry Center. You see details regarding this in your bulletins. Also, this is Easter morning. We share the good news meeting Christ as it comes to us from Mark, the 16th chapter, the response of the women to the news that Christ is risen. We also remember the news from Luke, chapter 24, on Easter evening. Jesus is met by a couple of disciples. They don't know it is Jesus until they hear the word proclaimed and they gather at table. So we hear the word proclaimed, we gather at table this morning, and we know Christ is with us. Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share in this call. <clears throat> Praise God, for the Lord our God is King. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain. He loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb.
go to God as we pray, our prayer before us. Living God, on this most joyous day, we offer our thanks and praise to you, creator of heaven and earth, lover of all humanity. Even when we turned away from you, you never rejected us. You spoke words of mercy and love through the prophets, promising to swallow up death forever and to host a banquet for all people, a life-giving feast. We praise you for Christ Jesus, your word made flesh. Born of Mary, he shares our life. Eating with sinners, he welcomes us. Leading his followers, he guides us. Dying on the cross, he rescues us. Risen from the dead, he gives new life. Most loving God, source of all that is eternally raised up, we give you thanks for your unspeakable gift of Christ Jesus. Amen. Our Paschal candle is before us, and I will ask our acolyte, Dylan, if she, Dylan Spencer, if she will come forward and light this. Dylan, if you would just light from the altar table here, and then we'll bring the light over to our Paschal candle. As we gathered this morning at 7 o'clock for a sunrise service, we had a wonderful fire that was outside and representing the light bursting into darkness. Thank you, Dylan. And I just want to say this as, as an aside. We have the most wonderful acolytes here at First Church. We do, don't we? So we... Uh, The ministry they perform is so vital to our time of worship, representing the light of Christ carried into the world. So thank you, Dylan. Thank you all who serve as acolytes here at First Church. And the Paschal candle is lighted before us for the next 50 days until the day of Pentecost. Again, representing the light of Christ breaking into the darkness that is death and the darkness that surrounds us. We are <coughs> people of light, the light and life of Christ. So we remember the lighting of the Paschal candle as that is found in our bulletins and before us as well. The light of Christ rises in glory, overcoming the darkness of sin and death. Amen. We prepare to hear the word of God as it comes to us from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. First we pray. We thank you, Lord, for your light and life. We thank you for your word, proclaimed again this day, the word revealing your presence with us, a word inspiring us, a word reminding us that you are with us now and always. Amen. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back. It was very large. 
And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of our Lord. Stand as we sing.
slide. Where we shared the gospel lesson from Mark 16. Mark's account of the first day of the week, resurrection morning. It's so strange that the most momentous event in the Christian faith, the pivotal event of human history, the event bringing you and me to worship this morning, is the event as found in the Gospel of Mark, greeted with silence. Strange. You see, if we were to play the game word association, saying, tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I say the word Easter, we think of many different words. I'm guessing the word silence is not one of those words. I often give thanks for the ministry of the late Fred Craddock. Craddock was a teacher and preacher whose ministry impacts the lives of many pastors, including mine. One piece of advice Craddock gave in regard to preaching was that as the pastor crafts the sermon, he or she should, by way of sermon, reflect the emotion experienced in the scripture upon which the sermon is based. For example, if the sermon is based on a psalm of lamentation, such as Psalm 22, the sermon should carry that experience of lament. If the sermon is drawn from Scripture speaking of celebration, perhaps the story of the prodigal son is found in Luke 15, the sermon should carry the experience of celebration. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, is before us. It is Mark's account of the resurrection of Jesus, it is scripture concluding with the words, And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, if I were to take the advice of Fred Craddock, it appears I should shape this sermon, this service, so as to convey the experience of fear and silence. I did not. And no one suggested I do so. You did not arrive here this morning expecting an experience of fear and silence. And for this we may give thanks. Because we're not comfortable with silence, are we? Even when silence is the most appropriate response to an experience, even when silence is the most faithful of responses to an event, we may find ourselves so uncomfortable we feel the need break the silence. You may know the experience as I have known it. A sacred piece of music is offered by choir, by soloist. It is offered in profoundly moving fashion. The choir, the soloist, concluding the piece, sits down. All who are present feel only the holiness of the moment. There is something sacred, faithful about the silence. Still, someone feels the need to clap. We are not comfortable with silence. 
even when some noisy response to an event comes across as inappropriate, I confess regretfully, all too frequently when I attend clergy meetings. We clergy often demonstrate we do not know when to shut up. Amen. Now, okay. Uh, <laughs> present company excluded, of course. <laughs> Ask simply to speak introductory remarks or an opening prayer or the introduction of a speaker or a benediction. We clergy often, for whatever reason, the need to outshine other clergy, the belief we are God's chosen, feel the need to say something and to do so at insufferable length. I don't know why I have no clergy friends. It just... <laughs> Even in this faith which carries scripture telling us the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence before him. We feel the need to be noisy. In this faith as well, we are familiar with a man named Job. We know Job suffered terribly. Do we remember that after Job lost everything, Job is visited by three friends. In the company of these friends, Job sits in silence for a week. Yes, he has lost everything, but at least there is the experience of peace and healing as he and his friends sit in silence. Then the friends do what? They open their mouths. They give advice, they give counsel, they voice opinions, all telling us the silence Job experienced with his friends is much to be desired. feel the need to disrupt it, even if the setting is as somber as a hospital or funeral home or at the hospice bedside, we may feel the need to break holy silence by speaking unholy commentary. All of which makes me thankful for the silence of the Gospel of Mark. Holy silence appropriate as response to resurrection. We may find this a strange way to end a gospel. But give me an alternative. We saw Jesus die on Friday. Every other time we have seen someone die, we go to the tomb, the body is there. But not this morning. Just some messenger telling us he was here. He's here no longer. He lives again. What are the right words? What do we say in response to a God who takes the worst we can do and turns it to his glory? What do we say in response to a God who brings into being 
that which never existed, a God who makes the dead to live again. What do we say in response to a God who is defined by resurrection? Now we notice we do not speak of resuscitation. It is not as if someone performed mouth-to-mouth -mouth on Jesus. No one performed CPR, got Jesus' heart beating again. No one grabbed the defibrillator, applied paddles to the chest of Jesus, yelled clear, shocking his heart back to beating. The Bible says nothing of resuscitation. It speaks of resurrection. There is a difference. Jesus will never die again. The resurrection. It is without precedent. This is the experience conquering death, vindicating the life of Jesus, making the risen Jesus present with us now. This is the experience confirming everything Jesus said and did. It witnesses to the verdict of the Father. This is the experience revealing the way God responds to evil, revealing God's victory over all that would oppose him. Resurrection shouts, evil is not the final word. God takes broken, wounded pieces of life, puts them together again. We are people of the resurrection proclaiming we know the presence of God even in and beyond death. Now we read the Gospels. We see that after the death of Jesus, the disciples return to the real world of fishing, tax collecting. But they then discover the real world is now experienced in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do we say? Less than 48 hours ago, Jesus was dead. He had breathed his last. Joseph of Arimathea asked Pontius Pilate for the corpse of Jesus. Granted the body, he took Jesus from the cross. He wrapped the body of Jesus in a linen shroud. Joseph placed the body of Jesus in a tomb carved out of rock. He rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Jesus was dead, no doubt. On Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome do not bring spices to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus if they do not expect to find the body of Jesus. They do not ask who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb if they believe they will not find the body in the tomb. But they look up, the stone, a large stone, is rolled from the entrance. They walk into the tomb. They are amazed as they see, seated to the right, a young man in a white robe. The young man says, don't be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he has risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. The women go from the tomb saying nothing. 
Can we improve upon that? Could it be that even then the women knew the truth of the words spoken by Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard? It was Kierkegaard who said, there are those things that are true when whispered that become false when shouted. What are we saying? We know there are those moments in life for which no words are appropriate, moments in life for which no vocabulary exists. The birth of a child, the death of a loved one, a marriage proposal, it may be a meteor shower, a sunset, a sacred piece of music, a celebration of the Lord's Supper, a service of worship. These experiences, blessed are they are, do not equal resurrection, but they tell us there are those times when we are most faithful in being quiet, hearing nothing other than the voice of God. It is this voice speaking to us now God telling us, I have won the victory. I cannot be defeated. I am resisted. I am mocked. I am misrepresented. But I am never defeated. I am God of new life, abundant life, eternal life. I am God victorious in the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus. The day is coming when all creation will see this victory and share in this victory together. In the meantime, we live in the light of resurrection. It is true. These women will speak. They will find their voices. They will tell the disciples and Peter resurrection. We will listen faithfully to their breathless witness. But until then, I thank God for blessed and holy silence, that silence in which I know only the presence of the God who speaks resurrection. Respond to the word as we affirm our faith, and we affirm our faith by way of the Apostles' Creed, number 882, in the back of our hymnals, also before us. Let us stand and affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. He descended to the dead. 
On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church. The communion of saints. As we are standing, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ, and then our ushers will come forward as we worship God with his tithes and our offerings. Let us welcome one another. we find our places, we prepare to worship God as we receive his, his tithes and our offerings. I'll invite our ushers to come forward. give to us anew this day the gift of life. We know abundant life. We know the promise of eternal life. We know you breathing your spirit upon us that we may live and serve you. We thank you for the gift of Christ our Lord, that he has overcome all that would oppose you and has gathered us to share in the gift of life. And may these gifts returned unto you share the good news of Christ who is with us now and always. Amen.
As Easter people, we go to God as we pray, knowing God is with us. We share now in the prayers of the people, this is a responsive time of prayer, a time in which I will offer various petitions, concluding each with the words, Lord, in your mercy, I invite from you the response, hear our prayer, and also the speaking of any concerns you would like to offer within this community of faith at this time of prayer. The prayers as I offer uh, them will be particular and appropriate to this Easter day, but again, there's the opportunity here for you to name those concerns and to share together in this time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the glorious resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Your Son, our Passover Lamb, has taken away the sin of the world. Forgive us and all people. Lord, in your mercy. Your Son said, Peace be with you. Bring your peace to the world and to our own country. Lord, in your mercy. Your son appeared to Mary Magdalene when she was weeping. Comfort those who are sad, lonely, or grieving. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Your son met the women and asked them to tell the disciples about his resurrection. Guide Christians everywhere to witness to the resurrection in their lives. Lord, in your mercy. Your son proclaimed himself to the two disciples from the scriptures and made himself known to them in the breaking of the bread. Reveal him to us and to all people through the teaching of your word and the celebration of your holy meal. Lord, in your mercy. Your son strengthened the faith of Thomas by telling him to touch his hands and side. Reassure those who are troubled by doubts and strengthen their faith in your goodness. Lord, in your mercy. Your son conquered a death by his death and won the victory by his resurrection. Be with those who are dying and lead them to life with you forever. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, grant that all who now celebrate these joyful holy days here on earth may finally praise you forever with all the angels and saints in heaven. We ask this through your risen Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We prepare now to celebrate our Lord's Supper, 
and to know Jesus in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. We prepare for the celebration by sharing Alleluia. When the bread is divided, when the table is set, when the hungry are fed, when peace is celebrated, when communities are brought together, when neighbors love each other. I invite you to follow along with the celebration of the great Thanksgiving. You may find this, I think, beginning at page 9 in the front of your hymnals. We also find this before us. There are three responses that we are called to offer as part of this great Thanksgiving. They will be sung responses, and our choir will lead, the, lead us in those responses as we come to them. And I will lead us through this prayer of the great Thanksgiving. The wording I speak will differ slightly from what may be before you, because the reading again will be appropriate to the celebration of our Lord's resurrection. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. And so with your company on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. You sent him to Israel, preaching good news of peace, the word which was proclaimed throughout all Judea. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, 
poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the third day, you raised him from the dead and revealed him to the women who came to the tomb to tend him. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. For you have put all things under his feet, and have made him head over all things for his church. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. that we have as children of God, we pray as Christ has called us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the table of our Lord to which each of you is invited. It is the Lord's table and the Lord's alone. He has set a place for each of you. As this is Easter, and we may have more people than we are accustomed to, we will have extra stations for the serving of our Lord's Supper. There will be the two stations here. Lil and Paul Guy will have a station right there where the pew has been removed. So in that space there, Lil and Paul will also offer the Lord's Supper. And there will be two stations in our balcony. 
I'll ask our ushers to come forward so that they may take the bread and the cup to the balcony. I'll ask our choir to come forward first so that they may receive the Lord's Supper here. And then as you are led by our ushers, we invite you to celebrate our Lord's Supper. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we stand as we share our closing hymn. responsibly in our benediction as it is before us. Remember the good news that we have been received and proclaimed this day, the good news in which we stand and through which we are saved. We will remember and hold tightly to the truth we proclaim with joy. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said he would. We are witnesses to this good news, and God commands we do not keep this news to ourselves. We will testify to all that Christ is Lord. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Go now in peace in the name of God the Father, God the Son, 
and to God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. 